Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 216. Few topics create as much confusion or contention among cruisers as to what to wear on your Royal Caribbean cruise. What to pack and what to wear when has become a source of great debate among Royal Caribbean cruisers. Between dress codes for dinner, especially restaurants, and the clothing you'll wear during the day, there's a lot to consider. There are plenty of choices, so let's jump into what you should think about when planning what to wear on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. What to wear on your Royal Caribbean cruise has been a source of frustration for a lot of new cruisers. In fact, there's some established cruisers who still struggle with this. And it's a weird topic because what to wear, I mean, we really don't go through this in our day-to-day lives necessarily, right? But there's a lot of this confusion that emanates in cruising. And I think a lot of it stems from the basic need to ensure that you're not making a mistake. You're not going to be that one that one person, right? You know those dreams you always have of having like having like no clothes in high school and everyone looking at you, right? I mean, there's a deep-rooted fear there, but that has to do also with cruising and that you don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be the person who shows up and be like, oh, look at that person. You want to do the right thing. You want to be properly prepared. It's a normal reaction and something I think a lot of people look for, but it seems to generate a lot of confusion from first-time cruisers and a lot of other folks as well as to what to wear on your cruise. Now, there's going to be a lot to discuss here, and to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of this is opinion. The The rules, and I'm using the word rules with air quotes around them, are left, I would almost want to say purposely vague by Royal Caribbean. There are not actually any set rules as to what you can or cannot wear. Royal Caribbean provides suggestions and does have things like dress codes, and we'll get into the dress codes in a second, but I want to make it perfectly clear that a lot of what we're talking about is subjective. It's a lot of ideas that are based on experiences, but there's not a whole lot of hard and fast rules other than some really basic stuff, uh, like you have to wear certain clothes at certain places, but you're going to find that there's a lot of ambiguity with this. So what one person may say can oftentimes be an opinion rather than a stated fact. So keep that in mind when you're planning ahead and understand that there is a great level of options available to you. And it's not to say that everybody has to dress exactly the same way. So I want to make that perfectly clear. And I'll try to convey what is an opinion and what is a stated fact or a rule uh, as we go through this episode. But it needs to be said that there are no, there's no guideline. There's no list of like, okay, at this time you need to wear this and at this time you need to wear that. It's not really that well-defined, which honestly leads to a lot of the confusion, quite frankly. You know, one of the things that I always find fault with is not so much that guests are dressing inappropriately or choosing the wrong thing to to wear. It's that Royal Caribbean really doesn't do a good job of A, defining it, and B, enforcing it. In some cases, there are written rules as to what you can or cannot wear, but oftentimes those rules are ignored or not enforced. And if you're not going to enforce the rules, then what's the point of the rules, right? The bottom line is, and I think this is probably a good guideline is no matter what, only be concerned with what you're wearing. What other people are wearing has no bearing on your vacation. Yes, you might be uh, you might be upset to see somebody wearing, I don't know, bright pink shorts in the main dining room and a tank top shirt. But at the end of the day, your food is still going to taste the same. You know, it's it's you can only control you only have control over what you and your family are wearing, and that's the best we can do about it. And we're not going to get into the a a rabbit hole of a discussion as to what happens with other people. I think that's a discussion for a message board community that you can certainly take up on your own time, but I'm not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. So what to wear on your cruise? Obviously, where you're going, right? the itinerary you're selling is going to dictate a lot of this. If you're going to Alaska, you're probably going to be wearing different clothing than if you're going to the Caribbean. That's 
you know, pretty obvious there. But so we'll try to be, be very general. Now, Royal Caribbean does offer some guidelines as to what to wear. You may see things like dress codes mentioned. Now, dress codes refer to essentially just the dining room. Uh, each evening, there is a dress code. Uh, there's going to be formal, smart casual, and casual nights. Uh, this is for the main dining room. We'll talk about especially restaurants in a second. This dining uh, code, this dress code for the dining room applies, again, just for dinner only. For breakfast, at lunch, and other times of the day, the dining room is much more relaxed. Usually, it's just casual. And what that all means? Great question. Eh, Royal Caribbean really doesn't say a whole lot. They give suggestions as to what you should wear. But, again, they're just that suggestions. There are There is no list of you can wear this, you cannot wear that. Formal attire, despite what you may think, it's not requirement that you have to get a black suit and and a gown or anything like that. It's not prom. You can dress up like that. In fact, some people do dress up to that point, but it's not. You don't have to do that. For formal night, for guys, certainly wearing suits, uh, shirts and ties, tuxedos, that's certainly acceptable for, for, for women. Cocktail dresses. Do you have to get that dress up? No. I've you know for for guys I always I often say a collared shirt and a nice pair of pants will suffice. And for ladies, you know you can. I I'm not going to begin to tell you how ladies should dress. Nor am I an expert on women's fashion. But you know it's something you might wear to I don't know church or your grandmother's house, something dignified or something nice to wear. And a lot of these dress codes honestly are relative to each other. So, you know, what's the difference between formal night and smart casual? Well, formal is a little more upscale than smart casual, and smart casual is a little more upscale than casual, right? Smart casual, this, uh, Royal Caribbean says, includes jackets and ties for men and dresses or pantsuits for women. Do other, does everybody do that? No. In fact, quite honestly, I think that's just smart casual. I don't honestly know the difference between smart casual and casual, and I probably just dress the same for both. You know, I for me personally, I pack polo shirts, collared dress shirts, and nice pairs of pants, even what I would call nice jeans, and this is a point of contention, I'm sure. Nice jeans are basically jeans you would wear out, uh, not the jeans that have holes around your knees, but there are things called nice jeans. You'll know it when you see them. They're jeans that are, I don't know, <laughs> they're not ratty. They're, 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 they're supposed to be, they're meant to be worn out, right? To nice occasions, and certainly uh, for men, oftentimes that those are jeans that you're going to wear, maybe with even a jacket, perhaps. For ladies, there's a whole gamut of what constitutes nice jeans, but I think it's again, it's a relative term, right? You see the jeans that you might wear casually, like on a Saturday around your house, and then you obviously have jeans you might wear to dinner. So, a lot of this is again, there's no real definition for casual. By the way, Royal Caribbean says this includes sports shirts and slacks for men, and sundresses or pantsuits for women. Quite honestly, even with those definitions, there. They're very interchangeable. Now, again, as I mentioned, technically, there's supposed to be somebody at the entrance to the main dining room enforcing these rules and telling people not what they can or cannot wear. Uh, not really the case. Uh, the There are written restrictions. There are certain things you're not supposed to wear in the dining room. These include caps, tank tops, bathing suits, uh, etc. Um, beyond that, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, some it's like three things I just mentioned, right? Beyond that, oh boy, there's room for debate there. I have seen in my experience, I remember my father-in-law was turned away for from breakfast in the main dining room one day for wearing a tank top. I think my father was asked to take off his hat. I don't remember if that was really the case or I imagine that, but it, you know, it, the rules are r- rarely enforced is what I'm trying to say, so keep that in mind. Now, especially restaurants have their own dining dress codes in and of themselves, which means they supersede whatever the dining room has. So if, if the dining room is formal night, doesn't matter. It's the same dress code every single day at the specialty restaurants. And I would say the specialty restaurants are usually in the smart casual category. Uh, something a little bit nicer than casual, but not nearly as formal as formal. Again, 
Many of you might be saying, Matt, that's not really that helpful. <laughs> I wish I could be more helpful. Basically, you're supposed to wear something nice is, is all I can say. Have I seen people in the – especially restaurants wearing shorts? Absolutely. Have I seen people in the dining room wearing shorts? Absolutely. Is that right or wrong? Boy, I'm not the one to, to, <laughs> to say that. But keep in mind that when you're packing, personally, I like to dress up for the occasion. Uh, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to wear tuxedos. You don't have to wear ball gowns. You certainly can. I often tell people the reason why I like dressing up, even though it's a little more formality to it, is because other than cruise ships, when else do I get to get dressed up? You know, weddings and funerals, essentially. And, you know, that's not as fun. I mean, at least on a cruise ship, it's a little more interesting. Plus, don't forget, in the hours preceding and after dinner, there are going to be photographers around the ship to take photos. And, Personally, for our family, we love this opportunity because this is the best chance we can get to get nice family photos. You know, getting family photos otherwise, man, it's it's like it's nearly impossible, right? You got to get the kids corralled and together. But some for some reason on the cruise ships, my kids get it. Okay, we're going to go take photos, and quite frankly, they kind of are excited for it. And it's the source of like every good photo we have in our house. No doubt, if you were to walk around our house, you would find. 95% of our photos around the house are photos from cruise ships because they just come out really well and we like it and the kids are already dressed up. So it's win-win in that regard and I really do enjoy that. So that's dinner. Now, outside of dinner, what's wearing your Royal Caribbean cruise, it's a little more free-for-all in the sense that there aren't really any restrictions. The dining rooms will have their own rules. Usually when you're talking about breakfast and, and lunch, it's a little more laid back. You know, it, I would consider it to be casual in the main dining room. For the Windjamer, uh and, and other grab-and-go kind of places, there really is no requirement. Certainly in the Windjamer, you can even wear uh, bathing suits. They just have – for ladies, it has to be a cover-up or something like that. But it's – tank tops are allowed and, uh, you know, those kinds of things are not um, a, a big issue there. Dinner in the Windjamer tends to be a little more restrictive in the sense that you're supposed to be a little more dignified there. But, I, I mean, it's the, it's the least – formal and the most casual option you can have and keep in mind that if you don't want to get dressed up if you're saying man i don't want to wear i don't pack any suits i don't want to wear any gowns i just want to wear shorts and a t-shirt whether it's breakfast lunch or dinner you have choices in mind you have places like the windjammer and park cafe and and uh, cafe promenade and sorrento's pizza you can go to those places and you know there's it's nothing wrong with any of those places in fact i would tell you from experience there's nothing wrong with eating dinner in the windjamer every single night of your cruise now people who are probably nodding their head right now telling yeah it's great I mean, it's a wonderful variety lots of choices well, actually wonderful variety and lots of choices are the exact same thing <laughs> but you know what i mean there's it's a great choice to dine there and i never have any problems eating in the windjamer for dinner uh, so it's definitely something you want to understand. Now, again, going back to the daytime and what to wear, it depends on where your port is. You know, for Caribbean cruises, you're mostly wearing shorts and and t-shirts. If you're going in the heart of winter, you might have to pack maybe some jeans or even a light jacket, but it, it's fairly rare. Uh, embarkation day uh, is actually a good idea. One thing you can do is bring bathing suits with you in your carry-on luggage because when you're talking about the 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 first day on board a ship. You know, a lot of times people don't think about the pool, but you want to be comfortable with what you're going to wear, but also have an option maybe to change out of it. It's great for kids also, you know, because there's it's a good opportunity to go swimming. And for a lot of folks, if you're getting on board early, your rooms may not be ready yet. So spending some time at the pool early on is not a bad idea in terms of what to wear there. Elsewhere, you know, when you're just on board the ship, you know, shorts are and shorts and t-shirts are pretty much the norm. If you're by the pool, well, then it's just you know pool wear, and that pretty much runs the gamut of it. In terms of what to wear when you're in port. 
depends on the port and what your activity is. If you're going to the beach, well, you're going to be wearing beach clothes, right? If you're going hiking or something really strenuous, you might consider packing shoes, hiking boots perhaps, and clothes that are going to be comfortable yet supportive of what you're looking to do. If you're in city, if you're walking around the town, it depends on the time of year and the temperatures, right? If you're going in the summer or even in the fall in the Caribbean, it can be very warm. In Alaska, that's it's all it's a very much a, a, a bigger question because it's so there's such a variation in temperatures and weather conditions. Oftentimes you'll hear people say pack in layers, meaning you know, you may pack a t-shirt, you may be wearing a t-shirt and a nice pair of pants, but you're also gonna have a hoodie sweatshirt and maybe even a jacket on top of that but the option is you can take those off if it does warm up and put them back on if it cools down again so keep that in mind in terms of europe i think a lot of it again depends on the weather but layers and in the summertime it's really going to be just like the caribbean wearing you know shorts and whatnot northern europe is a little more uh, has a little more variety there in terms of weather and it's honestly a little bit closer to alaska in terms of what to wear but there's really no ship-wide dress code there's no requirements of what you have to wear on board the ship or, or not, you know, it's, it, 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 there, it's, I think honestly, it's left purposely vague as to what to wear. And, and I think they do so because they don't want to be up in your grill about, you know, what you should or shouldn't wear. Uh, you know, it's kind of just, you're on vacation and outside of dining venues, there really isn't a dress code per se, uh, beyond the, you know, I think the McDonald's rules, right? No shirt, no no shirt, no pants, no service or something like that, right? You got to at least have those basics uh, laid down there in terms of what to wear once you're on board the ship. And, you know, a lot of the stuff is going to be dependent on your weather. In terms of looking up your weather, one of my recommendations is, you know, when you get to about a week before your cruise, you can start looking up the weather forecast. Keep in mind that in many places, the forecasts are educated guesses. I mean, one of the most common things is the Caribbean in the summertime or in summer, fall when you're in the in the wet season, right? And so, look, Matt, it's going to rain every day on my cruise. No, not necessarily. It's just the tropics and it rains every day, but it's usually short-lived. It's not like, you know, uh, weather fronts that move through your town, maybe somewhere else. It's not an all-day event is what I'm trying to say. And again, it depends on what you're looking to do in terms of your activities. But generally speaking, you know, if you're going during a warm time of year, you pack for shorts and whatnot. It's very easy to do that. If you're going during winter in the Caribbean or you're going to Alaska or Europe, Northern Europe specifically, uh, you might have to do more layers and have a little more options there in terms of what you have. If you're wondering about how to, if you want to reuse clothing, because one of the great tips is reuse your clothing, right? Bottom line is no one really remembers if you wore a pair of pants on day one, if you're on day six, or quite frankly, even on day two, and no one really pays that close attention to you or certainly going to say anything to you about it. But one option you do have is on board to clean the clothes. Now, you don't. there are no self-service laundry on board Royal Caribbean ships. You cannot bring your own iron, but there are some options for you. Number one, you could also wash certain clothing in your own room and then hang it out to dry. You know, this is probably good for things like undergarments, uh, T-shirts, things of that nature that are easy. You can buy those single-use uh, detergent packets from your local stores and then wash them in the sink of your bathroom. It's not like you should, you know, do all the clothing, but it can help, you know, if you can, you know, reuse, you know, a couple of shirts here, some undergarments there that can help make a big difference. Now, Royal Caribbean does offer dry cleaning options. You have formal dry cleaning where they actually take and clean it and press it. They also have just pressing services. This is good if you're traveling, maybe you're on an airplane and you you realize, "Oh man, your suit, your dress is kind of wrinkly." They can do take that for you. The fee is uh, not too expensive. It's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. There is one other option which you should be, which you should be aware of, which is the wash and fold special. 
Usually during the cruise, uh, there's an, there's a wash and fold special right around halfway through the cruise where they will give you a plastic bag and you can stuff as many clothes as you can in there. And for a flat fee, they will uh, clean and press those clothing for you. The If you're a Crown and Anchor member, Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, you can usually get a discount on top of that. Check your uh, onboard discount sheet that you'll have in your state when you board the ship for exactly how much that is. depends on which level you're at. And that can definitely help a lot because if you can redo clothing or reuse clothing, I should say, during the cruise, that can save you a lot of money or a lot of time also and and packing space because you're not going to have to pack for seven days. You only really pack it maybe for four days and you get to reuse some clothing from there on out. Keep in mind with the wash and fold special, it's in my experience, it usually takes a day or two, if not more. depends on what time you drop it off to your stateroom attendant really picks up. There's no drop-off. But, you know, what time they actually get it and what time they get it back to you, it's not overnight. Let's put it that way. Although there is sometimes an express option, but you should be aware that it's not like, you know, snap the fingers instant. It can take a little bit of time. So plan accordingly. Don't uh, assume, you know, two days worth of clothing and whatnot, and, and that's it. In terms of bathing suits, I've usually found a pretty good run of have bring two bathing suits per person one bathing suit you wear the other one is airing out on your balcony or in your in your shower you know to dry out essentially so that'll be over you're not wearing the same one over and over again um you know it, you don't want to always put on that that the bathing suit that's kind of wet and it's like oh it's a little damp still two is usually good for i think for most people and i think that's definitely going to be um a good thing to do one other thing you want probably want to be aware of and you may have heard us talk about this here on the podcast are themed nights you may have heard of 70s night and 80s night and you know, Caribbean theme night and whatnot and the white hot party on board and all that kind of stuff there are certain events that happen on Royal Caribbean ships and it kind of depends on your sailing what will be offered Royal Caribbean does not publish this information in advance which means you can't figure out which night or which night a particular event is going to happen or even if it's going to be offered at all However, if you want to participate or it sounds kind of interesting to you, there are a couple of options you have. Number one, you can look at a past cruise compass. In general, Royal Caribbean does not really change up the theme nights all that often, especially on same itinerary. So if you find if you're sailing on a Western Caribbean itinerary on Oasis of the Seas and you find a past Oasis of the Seas Western Caribbean itinerary, odds are it's gonna be very, very similar and something you can reasonably expect to happen. It's not a guarantee, but a ballpark idea of what to expect. And we have an archive of past cruise compasses at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And odds are, unless you're on a really odd sailing, we should probably have one that's fairly recent and of the same itinerary that you've sailed to give you an idea of what to expect on there. And then you can pack accordingly. You don't have to, these 79ths and you know, red hot white hot parties and and whatnot. I don't think I've ever packed for any of them. It's not my thing. It's not my shtick. I enjoy going to them and viewing them, but I haven't quite dressed up to that extent. The closest I've ever done was there was on Allure of the Seas, the Prohibition Party, which is a, uh, it's mostly a jazz and music dancing event, but you're supposed to dress up. In fact, a lot of people do dress up for that in a 1920s garb. So I did, me and my wife did actually pick out stuff to quote unquote fit in for that one. But again, it, 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 you know, if you're interested in, in participating in these kinds of things or just being aware of what's there, a past cruise compass is your best bet to get you an idea of what you can pack so that way you'll be properly prepared for it. Otherwise, you know, if you're on a special, if you're cruising over a special holiday, uh, Halloween is a great example. Yes, you should pack your, your Halloween costume because there'll be trick or treating events, even a costume party on there. If you're cruising during, I don't know, July 4th or New Year's Eve. Some people do dress up to that extent, you know, to celebrate, right? On July 4th, you often see a lot of red, white, and blue outfits, and and even some people dress up like Uncle Sam. Certainly, that's welcome and encouraged, and you can you can do that as well. So, you know, uh, plan accordingly. But again, a, a past cruise compass is usually a good way of 
planning for those kinds of events. That way you have an idea of what to expect. In general, here's my closing advice for you. Number one, don't stress over it. It's not really a big deal. When I talk about dress codes in the dining room, it's vague and it's on I think it's purposefully left vague by Royal Caribbean because at the end of the day, they don't want people stressing about it. As long as you're just not showing up in a tank top and shorts, you're probably okay for the dining room. And like I said, for guys, almost any night, a collared shirt, whether it's short sleeve or long sleeve, doesn't really matter. Even you know, even a golf T-shirt uh, and a you know a nice pair of slacks will do for ladies. I mean, blouses and jeans almost always run the gamut. You know, a nice cocktail dress that works fine. Don't overthink it. Is what I'm trying to say. Don't stress about it. You will find plenty of people getting in there. No one's really going to deny you entry for anything that I just mentioned there. So take it easy. And I often say, if you if you could wear it to you know, church or your grandmother's house or a family function at a country club or uh, does, do we have that many people that go to family functions at country clubs? I don't know, but you know what I mean? Something, something nice, something you, something nicer than you would wear to the pool deck is probably going to be okay. And I think more often, I'd be quite surprised if you really had anybody from Royal Caribbean say anything to you about what you're wearing. It's your vacation. Enjoy it. And keep in mind that it should not be a stressful topic, but Planning ahead is probably a good idea when it comes to what to wear on your Royal Caribbean cruise. Next, we have an email from Haley. And Haley writes, Hi, Matt. I just started listening to your blog and feel like I found my people. I alternate cruising with Royal Caribbean and Carnival, but I've been on Royal Caribbean three times. We're heading out for an Alaska cruise on Explorer of the Seas. I knew I wanted to do Royal Caribbean for this cruise, so suggested this to friends who are of ours who are coming with us. This will be their first Royal Caribbean cruise, but they have cruised once before on Celebrity. Last time, my friend received an email saying that their cruise reservations were canceled, including their drink package and short excursions. When they called Royal Caribbean, they were told they couldn't speak with her because she had booked through Cruises.com. So she called Cruises.com, was on the phone on and off over the course of a few hours with them, and Cruises.com worked with Royal Caribbean to figure out the problem. They determined it was a computer glitch and said that they would just have to rebook everything in the cruise planner, but that their money could take up up to a week to be refunded. To make a long story short, they were able to get their drink packages reinstated, but are also having to wait until their money is refunded to be able to afford to book their shore excursions again with the risk that they would be sold out due to the close sailing. They did not have a good experience with the Royal Caribbean's customer service, as they said at one point that their employee from Cruises.com would have to speak with them with someone from the ship to get everything reinstated. My friend is really just upset that she had to go through all of this and afraid that she's going to get to the port and something not be right with her reservation. She's also upset that she was never able to talk with anyone in Royal Caribbean directly, nor did they apologize for what happened. They were given $50 on board credit after she complained that this was such a hassle, and now maybe out shore excursions. Sorry for the long email, but do you have any suggestions on how she can make a formal complaint to Royal Caribbean and speak with someone? Would it be a good idea for her to speak with someone at guest services on embarkation day? I'm worried because my friend is already saying she'll never sail with Royal Caribbean again, and despite their insistence, I've had all positive experiences. Haley, great email. You know what? This happened exactly to me one time. There was a actually a group cruise, believe it or not, Haley, where I got an email, a cryptic email from Royal Caribbean, like, your cabana is canceled. And I said, I thought to myself, well, that's weird. Ordinarily, I just I would just delete that email. And, you know, I rubbed my chin, and I said, hmm, something's not right. Something's weird, right? So I forwarded the email to my travel agent, and lo and behold, the same thing happened. There was some sort of computer glitch, and it canceled my entire reservation, but I only got the notification because I had a, I had a cabana canceled. Long story short, there are a couple things. Let's go into this. Number one, your, your friend's experience is true. If you book through a travel agent, Cruises.com is a travel agency. You, They're the ones, Cruises.com is the ones that manage the reservation. As a result, Royal Caribbean cannot touch, quote-unquote, the reservation. It's Cruises.com. This is an arrangement so that way folks aren't bypassing their travel agent. This is why you use a travel agent. Quite frankly, 
it's almost like I want to say it's to their your friend's benefit to do this way. If your friend had booked directly with Royal Caribbean, they would have had to spend hours on end with Royal Caribbean to rectify this, jump it from person to person to try to get it all sorted out. It's a big problem and really annoying. In my case, I booked the travel agent, and when I learned when my travel agent learned what happened, she told me. Give me, give me a little bit of time. Let me figure this all out. And in the end, we had the same situation occur where everything was rebooked. I actually, what ended up happening was my cabanas were, since they were canceled, someone else had rebooked them, but they got new cabanas for me. Not a big deal. It worked out fine. And just like your friend, uh, my travel agent worked to get me extra onboard credit for the inconvenience. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, your friend, this glitch shouldn't have happened. And there's no question that it's a real pain in the butt. But at the end of the day, It's cruises.com that had to sort it all out for your friend, and they were the ones doing it. Is it? I can understand why your friend might be frustrated because she wants to, he or she wants to be able to call Royal Caribbean and say, hey, you know, what's going on here, right? And get a more direct answer. But uh, it actually, in my opinion, it works best when you use the travel agent and let them fight the battle for you. And as long as your travel agent is responsive, which it sounds like they were in terms of figuring this all out, I, I think that that's that's an okay situation and that's what happened now how that being said let's go back to the original problem why was your cruise ac- or their cruise accidentally canceled absolutely that should never have happened that's a mistake that's on Royal Caribbean and $50 on board credit I, it's up to you if you feel it's enough uh, there are a couple of options you do have when you want to complain in general to Royal Caribbean first and foremost you should contact them I think via email uh, there's an email address crown and anchor one word at rccl.com crown and anchor at rccl.com that's obviously crown and anchor society their customer loyalty program let them know and explain what's happening number two then after the cruise happens reiterate that problem again in the in the survey you're going to get via email and let them know of the issues that you ran into there i mean basically you want to make them aware of it in some cases you'll get an email back some and i've heard actually heard a lot of times you'll get a phone call back but let them know of the problem because that should not happen in the first place and you obviously don't want that to occur to you or anybody else again and it's it's you know it's not something you're it's not a good guest experience right and for your friend who's trying Royal Caribbean for the first time man just you know I hope they understand that it's this is an outlier situation it doesn't happen all the time I mean it happened to me once but that's one out of I don't know how many times and I'm sure there's plenty of folks in here who have said they've never encountered something like this so you know it kind of sick. one other thing by the way uh, if you run into the situation um, you know, yes, it takes a couple days for the refund to come back. Usually these refunds come back pretty quickly, like three to five days. What I'm trying to say is if you use a credit card, unless you hit it like on the last day of your billing cycle, odds are it's going to have a, it's going to wash out in the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, you, you book, rebook everything today and three, four five days from now, the refund comes back. That's a wash, right? You're going to, the, the credit comes back and it offsets each other. And it's kind of the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal, uh, financially speaking. So you don't have to wait. What I'm trying to say is don't necessarily wait for the refund to come back. Use the credit card as an option there because you have the protection and also the, the credit line running. So that way you have some, some choices there. Haley, thank you for the email. It's, it's a really good topic because you know what? I hope no one else runs into this situation, but I want to be clear that when you're booking through a travel agent, one of the benefits, one of the things I really like is what happened to Haley's friend here in the sense of, I don't want to call Royal Caribbean. I don't have the time to call Royal Caribbean and I have no desire to fight with them. You know, can I please speak to a manager and supervisor, you know, and get upset. There's just, it's not my, it, I don't want to do that. Let someone else fight the battle for me, right? It's, it's almost, think of it like going to court, right? And that, why do you hire a lawyer? Well, they know the laws and everything like that, but they also know the ins and outs of it and they're going to fight for you. Meanwhile, you sit there with your arms crossed and they do all the work for you. Same basic idea here and i hope that makes a lot of sense Haley. so thank you for the email there our next email 
is from Ian and Michelle from Vancouver. Hey, Matt, my wife and I love the podcast. We've been both we've both been with you since episode one, and have learned a great deal during that time. We just booked an Alaska cruise on board Raiders of the Seas for later this month. This will be our twenty eighth Royal Caribbean cruise, and we have been to Alaska several times before. During my research this time, however, I came across a website called TourSaver.com. This site offers a coupon book or phone app containing over two over a hundred two for one coupons for a variety of tours in various Alaska towns. The price of this book is regularly $100, but it's now available for $50. Bucks. My wife and I have booked five excursions through this coupon book, and we'll save about $500. There is a potential for thousands of dollars worth of savings, so I just thought I'd pass the information along in case other listeners are interested. Here's my question. Someone recently mentioned to me that if you own 100 shares or more of Royal Caribbean stock, you will receive credits for Royal Caribbean or celebrity cruises that you book. You must be able to provide proof that you actually own 100 shares, and the amount of the credit will vary based on the number of nights of your cruise. While purchasing 100 shares of Royal Caribbean stock these days would be an expensive venture, I'm just wondering if you know of anyone who's done this, would you be able to claim this credit every cruise booked while owning the shares? Ian and Michelle, thank you for the email. And you, first of all, thank you for the tip regarding TourSaver.com. It sounds a lot like there's the entertainment book. I don't know if that thing is still around, but I used to, in my uh, old days, I used to buy that one. We used to go to Disney World. Uh, they had a lot of discounts there as well. It's, you know, you buy a book, there's some coupons in there. It can't save you money. Obviously, it's, it behooves you, if you're spending 50 bucks for the book, to find, you know, to use as many discounts as you can to offset the savings you find in the book. But it sounds like you already did that since you're saving $500, which is awesome. Keep in mind also, that in 2017, you might do a little bit of research ahead of time to see if a lot of those discounts aren't repeated somewhere else. One that doesn't cost 50 bucks, but hey, if it makes if it's there's you know making it easy is not a bad idea. But thank you for the recommendation, Ian and Michelle. Now, on to your question, yes, there is a stockholder discount, and you absolutely nailed it in terms of what you have to do. And it, there are people who use it. I don't even grant I don't own stock, and I would recommend two things. Number one, I am not a financial planner. I know nothing of financial planning. Don't take my advice in terms of what you should or should not invest. Number two is that uh, I don't know that I would say that it's a good idea to buy stocks purely for the discount offered. The discount offered for shareholders is not very large. And more importantly, it's often not combinable with other discounts that Royal Caribbean may be offering. As I found and as I've heard from other folks that are out there that own shares because they think it's a good investment, they've often found that the, the Royal Caribbean shareholder discount is is often not combinable, thus not lucrative, and thus they don't use it. So if you happen to own shares because you thought it was a good investment and, hey, it works out for you financially, that's wonderful. And there's nothing wrong with at least seeing what discount you may get. But oftentimes, things like your Crown and Anchor Society balcony discount, whatever promos Royal Caribbean are running, which are not combinable with them, are a better deal. Now, however, if you ever find that they can be a good deal, yes, you should mention it. One of the things I often tell people is if you're booking a cruise, whether you're new or done a thousand times before, you know, mention to your travel agent any potential discounts you have. You own Royal Caribbean stock. You're a member of Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society. You are a veteran, active or, or retired. Uh, you are you work in certain industries like uh, the travel uh, industry, like you work for a, 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 a airline or a you know. Well, there's a lot of different discounts that are out there, but firefighter, uh, police officer, even teachers. What state you live in? There's a variety of discounts that are out there, and never hurts to at least price it all out. But what I'm trying to say is basically the. The shareholder stock discount, not exactly the most lucrative, just because it's not very combinable with a lot of things often excluded. So there you go. So thank you for the email, Ian and Michelle. Good stuff there. Let's get things rolling with our next email, which is from Melissa. Uh, Melissa Lee, in fact. 
I've absolutely loved listening to your podcast. They are getting me through our wedding planning craziness, knowing that we get to spend our honeymoon on a Royal Caribbean cruise. We got engaged on Independence of the Seas last year, and on disembarkation day, we saw the Oasis of the Seas and almost immediately booked it as our honeymoon ship. We're going to be going on Oasis on October 29th and traveling to Labadee, Falmouth, and Cozumel. I wanted to ask if you had any suggestions of must-dos or must-sees for honeymooners on this cruise, whether it be on the ship or at one of the ports. I also put in a request for a complimentary upgrade, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed there to make an extra special trip. Thank you so much for creating the community at Royal Caribbean Blog. Melissa, thank you for the email and making extra special trips. I know exactly what that's all about, right? whether it's your honeymoon, anniversary, birthday, uh, 25th time at Sabor Cruise... <laughs> You know, it's all important, right? And must-dos, must-sees for weddings. I think a lot of it happens. We did an episode about, uh, not too long ago, about you know how to make a cruise extra special. I think a lot of it is just splurging. That's what it's all about. So you ask for a complimentary upgrade. I'd be kind of surprised if that actually happens. But splurging for things you might not ordinarily do. Uh, booking a couple's massage. That's a nice thing to do that you, I don't, I think we did that on our honeymoon and haven't done it ever since. You could book, especially a restaurant, maybe even do the dining packages, take advantage of that. Do a short excursion, do a private short excursion. Royal Caribbean's private journeys, Melissa, is a really good idea. And we talked about that not too long ago. It's a fairly new option where basically you can book through Royal Caribbean a customized private short excursion. So that way you get to do exactly what you want on the schedule you want to do it, and it's just you, which may or may not be impressed. Some people actually do like going with other people. It's more fun. You know, it's a community, communal kind of sense of, of the adventure. But, you know, that's that's another option for you to enjoy. But upgrading your room, maybe, Melissa, you surprise your fiancé and, and and upgrade to a suite without them knowing. Of course, this behooves the, uh, your fiancé not actually checking any of the paperwork or anything like that. But you can do something along those lines. In terms of Labadee, book a... Book a a cabana, definitely that's got to be a must-do. I, I do that all the time. It's it's such a nice upgrade to do that. In Falmouth, do an all-inclusive resort. I really like the Hilton Rose Hall Resort. And in Cozumel, maybe do another thing like Nachicoco, which is an all-inclusive type beach stay. Um, or even stay on board the ship, do do your couple's massage there. I mean, there's a lot of great choices you can choose from. But what I'm trying to say is you should essentially look at for activities and options that you might not ordinarily do or your gut instinct initially is, oh, no, that's too expensive or I'm not going to spend the money on that, right? Uh-huh. Do go something like that. In fact, don't forget, oftentimes you can, you know, maybe ask for that as wedding gifts, you know, wedding money towards the cruise and, and use that almost like a wedding registry, right? Hey, that could be one way to also enjoy a really fun time while on board. So congratulations, Melissa. I hope you have a great time on your honeymoon. And you're not wrong. Oasis is amazing. You're going to have a great time on there. And remember, no no honeymoon is complete without at least a couple trips to Sabor on the boardwalk. You're welcome. (laughs) Next, we have an email from Joe Kelvin, who writes, As a travel agent, I don't recommend that my clients pay more for a cabin based on size unless it's triple or quad occupancy cabin, and they don't want to be tripping over each other. I do suggest paying a little or a lot more is to upgrade from an interior room to an ocean view room or from an ocean view to a balcony cabin. It all depends on the depth of the client's pockets, whether or not they want to spend the difference and whether or not they understand what they're getting for the price they're paying. In some cases, a higher category cabin not only is larger, but also has additional benefits such as the use of the spa or other amenities included. One has to know one client's clientele, their preferences, ability or desire to pay out more. Most of all, knowing what they're getting most for their money. Joe, thank you for the email. And you know what? I, I agree with you. I think a lot of it is, in terms of upgrading, right, is it's it's such a, it's such a subjective 
question. One person's deals, another person's expensive, right? And what's important to one person may not be important to another person. And I think you're right that you have to you have to weigh a number of considerations there in terms of um, you know what they're interested in doing. And you're right that just because a higher category room is available does not necessarily mean it's worth doing, or that it's something that just because it's larger or more expensive, thus it is a better option. And I agree with you 100% on that. And one other thing you mentioned was that you don't recommend that clients pay more for a cabin based on size. And and I do agree that actually in many cases, and I've done this many times myself, is it's better to, to book two smaller rooms or multiple smaller rooms than one large room. Because as you said, even though, yes, it can accommodate everybody, you may run into the... You don't want everybody to be tripping over each other. It's a really great way of putting it. And more often, more so, you get separation. You get additional bathrooms. It's, you know, we all love each other, but a little bit of separation isn't a bad idea. So, Joe, thank you so much for the email. Great recommendation there. We have our next email, which is from Jose Pena. I have two questions today. Does Royal Caribbean still offer in-room babysitting? Not sure if they do, but I would like to know the steps I need to take if interested. And second, does Freedom of the Seas have a pool for baby, toddlers, and children? What are the rules? As always, my friend, Thank you. Jose, great question. Thank you for the email. Uh, two things. No, so the interim babysitting used to be a really big thing before nurseries started getting on board the ships. And quite frankly, I'm not sure if they offer them anymore just because I haven't even bothered asking because they're so much more expensive than the nursery. However, even when they were offered, here's what you should do and what you still can do if it's offered. You never know. You need to go to guest services and inquire about it there and say, hey, I'd like to have interim babysitting. The way it works, there are no like interim babysitters just laying around waiting for somebody to be picked up even if there wasn't a nursery on board. It's mostly just crew members who have in their spare time and want to earn some extra money and to do so. And basically what will happen is guest services is supposed to take down what day and times you're looking for and they'll essentially let you know. So afterwards, you know, they you let them know and then they go in the back and say, hey, who wants to babysit, right? And it's a little more dignified than that, but you get the idea. <laughs> and they and they figure that all out. I honestly don't know if they still offer it because this was an option that used to exist before nurseries started spreading to almost every single Royal Caribbean ship out there. There are still a couple ships that don't have the nursery, but... Uh, by and large, most students, including Freedom of the Seas. So, and I would argue, honestly, the the nursery option is a really good choice. There, I know it's, I know it's, it's, I know it's your baby, and you wanted to have you know a lot of personalized attention there. But the nursery does an amazing job. I am constantly impressed by not only the nursery but also the, the Adventure Ocean staff in general in terms of the personalized service they offer and what a great job they do. So, what I'm trying to say is, don't don't discount the the nursery off the bat. It's a really good choice there. And second of all, you want to know, does Freedom of the Seas have a pool for baby, toddlers, and children? There is a H2O zone for uh, children. These are children that are potty trained. So basically, children without diapers. And that's obviously available for any kids. In fact, you could even go in there, Jose, if you really wanted to. And yes, Freedom of the Seas does have a baby splash zone area. This is just for children who are in diapers and or, and or who are not totally uh, potty trained. And they really are restrictive of who, who can go in there or not they treat, because it's obviously it's a, it's a small little area. It's basically a – how do I describe this? Place? It's a small area in which there's like – even on the baby, it's not even ankle deep water where they can just sit and splash and walk around. It's kind of like a bathtub except it's just not as – it's not as deep. It's like the children, I mean, never get more than – it's if it goes up to their ankle, I'm quite frankly surprised by it. And so, you know, they can just kind of frolic around essentially is the best way to describe it. So – there you go. There's your answer to your question, Jose. Thank you so much for the email. Got some more questions on the way. We have an email from Allie who writes, Hey, Matt, my name is Allie. I'm taking my first ever cruise later this year on Oasis of the Seas. I love listening to your podcast. Seriously, makes work so much more fun, and I've learned a lot. 
but I have a question for you. This is my first real vacation. I booked it to celebrate my college graduation. Is there something extra that I should book on the ship just to make it a bit more special? Dining, an activity, or something else? Thanks. Can't wait to hear more about cruising from you. Allie, thank you so much for the email, and congratulations on on college graduation. Yay, the real world! <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'll, I'll, leave the, I'll leave you alone on that one. So, things you can do that are special. I, a lot of what I just said about the, for the honeymooners kind of applies to you as well, Allie. I would say also one thing you can do is the, uh, is the unlimited alcohol package. Now, granted, I don't want to assume just because you're just out of college, you're a heavy drinker, and then all college kids just love nothing more than to have a, good, a lot of drinks. But it makes it a lot of fun, quite honestly. I might do, if you really want to go special, you want to go all out, Allie, do book the unlimited alcohol package, the deluxe, which is called the deluxe beverage package, and the ultimate dining package. I did the ultimate dining package on a recent Harmony of the Seas cruise, and what's great about it is you get to eat at like all the specialty restaurants, especially restaurant every night for dinner and on for lunch on sea days. And it's really just a it's a gluttonous adventure is what it is. And if you like if you enjoy dining out, I think you really enjoy that kind of an option. Certainly a little bit more special and something fun that I think you would enjoy. And one other thing you can do when uh, when you're in port, I don't know which itinerary you're doing on Oasis, but do an all-inclusive resort. It's a lot of fun being able to get a day pass to one of these uh, hotels and take advantage of that and be a little bit pampered. That's I, in my mind, if you're looking for a special kind of experience, pampering yourself is usually not too far away. It's a good idea. So, Allie, thank you for the email, and congratulations on graduating from college. That is awesome. We have time for one more email. Let's do uh, an email from... Who's this person from? Paul. Paul Klaproth. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Paul. Matt, recently discovered your program. I find you, your guests, and your contributors very informative, even for someone like myself who is a Diamond member and have been on a number of cruises. I resisted my first cruise because I feared boredom, but my niece pushed and pushed, and then I regretted the resistance. It was a great time with so many things to do when you want to do them. We have been on a number of sides of ships in the fleet, and to echo your words, each ship is a different experience and a different kind of fun to go with it. We've been on different cruise lines, and we love the mix of people on Royal Caribbean. Very interesting people. Most of our cruises have been in the Caribbean to escape the Michigan winters. We did take that cruise to Alaska and land portion and had the good fortune to see all of Denali, a memorable trip that I wish everyone could experience. We're about to take another adventure. We're going to Anthem of the Seas in October on the Color Leaf Tour up to Canada. I've listened to your thoughts about the ship as it went south in warmer weather. Should we expect anything different as the ship heads north? On average, should the waters be calm? Are there any changes to the ship offerings? I have heard about the wow bands. Is that an extra cost or is that part of the Anthem experience? I also noted a different process for checking into the ship than my idea at the stateroom. The process seemed to be more streamlined. This time, we sent our photo ahead of time. My guess will my guess will not be taken at the terminal. Is that is this a wave to the future at Royal Caribbean or unique to Anthem? Keep the good work. Whether you're a newbie or an old sea dog, we can all learn something in a com- continually changing world and cruising industry. You and your helpful team, as we do our best to have a good time every time we cruise. Paul, thank you for the wonderful words in the email. I'm so glad you're enjoying the podcast. Great questions. Anthem is a great ship. So let me answer your questions about that. You're going to uh, you're going on Anthem. You're going north instead of uh, my experience, which has been to go uh, to the Caribbean or not. Um, is there anything different? I mean, obviously, it might be a little bit cooler, depending on which time you're going in, in the fall, right? Uh, you know, an early fall cruise may be a little bit warmer than a late fall cruise, but it's not going to be like, it won't be akin to your Michigan winters, is what I'm trying to say. I do think layers might be a good idea, but essentially, pack some jeans and and uh, sweatshirts that you might not ordinarily pack for a Caribbean cruise, but it's, it's layers weather, is what I'm trying to say. 
on average should the waters become? Yes, on average. I mean, you're talking about the North Atlantic, which has kind of a reputation for being a little bit choppy. It depends, obviously, Paul, but you know, you're also sticking pretty close to land. You're not going out to sea. This isn't a transatlantic sailing. And that's a huge difference between, you know, <laughs> than, than what you're going to be doing. So keep that in mind. But I think by and large, it's going to be fairly calm. I mean, I can't promise you anything, Paul, but, you know, it's not it's not the Gulf of Mexico, but it's also not a transatlantic sailing either. Your other question was about, uh, are there any changes to the ship's offerings? Not really. Uh, not that I'm aware of anything. You know, you might have made perhaps a different kind of acclimation event to, you know, uh, kind of an educational event on board, but nothing out of the ordinary, really. Wild bands do cost extra, unless you're staying in a suite. If you're staying in a suite, they're complimentary, but they cost uh, $4.95. However, the good news, Paul, is if you buy them on your cruise, you can reuse them on other sailings. You basically exchange them out, and there's no additional fee for that. I like them a lot, uh, just because it's just a little more convenient. You know, you know, when you're going back to the room, and rather than fumbling through your pockets for sea pass cards, or even having to bring them at all, you can just use your wild band to get back in your room. I love that, if nothing else. So, And you're right, the check-in process is a little bit different for Anthem of the Seas, and also for uh, Oasis-class ships, where basically they do a lot of the check-in earlier. The idea is that if you do the check-in earlier, you will spend less time in the check-in process. When you get to uh, Cape Liberty in Bayonne, New Jersey, what's going to happen is you're going to find a number of Royal Caribbean employees. Actually, they're the peer employees. But anyway, they're going to be over there, and they're going to meet you. They're going to scan your C-Pass card. And if you performed everything you needed to do in your online check-in, that's it. There's no sitting there, all right, can you, you know, stand, take this photo, who's that person? It's a lot more streamlined. They, they take your, your passports and scan them in, but it does save you a lot of times. So that way, you're going from curb to, well, theoretically, curb to ship. It really it's curb to security to um, to sitting down and being waited to call, but there's less time spent in line at the check-in counter. Uh, is it a is it a wave of the future? I, th- I certainly think so. I think that's what World Cup is trying to go towards. But it requires infrastructure to be installed not only on the ship that we're talking about, but also in the port. Port in the case of Terminal 18 in Port Everglades and Cape Liberty in New Jersey is that in both cases these are ports are, that were built from the ground up to accommodate these kinds of things. Thus, they can handle that. So, uh, do I know when will the other ships see it? That's a good question. But it is at least at this point, looks like to be what Royal Caribbean wants to do fleet-wide uh, in order to make things just simpler and easier for guests. So, Good email, Paul. Thank you so much for the emails. Thank you to everybody for the great discussions here. And, of course, if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending me an email to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.